Good morning, vendors and non-vendors alike, and welcome to Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nick.com's Legend of Korra series. This week, finally a showdown between the Red Lotus and Avatar Korra, but everyone's lives hang in the balance. The air nomads rise as Zaheer flies. Janora earns her mastery, but what damage has change left in its wake? Let's ask your hosts, Matt, Dave, Devendra, and Joanna. Hello and welcome back to Republic City Dispatch. Uh, today we are talking about doubleheader episode, Enter the Void and Venom of the Red Lotus, the finale, the two for finale of uh, book three change here on Legend of Korra. Uh, and as all good finales, we got all of the Republic City Dispatch podcasters together. We made it happen. We made <laughs> sure that everyone would be here to talk about the finale. Who's here from with us? From all four yeah. nations, we bring you. <laughs> we unite from across the world. Oh, um, yeah. What would our... Sorry. No. I, I want to hear. you. would our bending, wanna... like, should we claim an element? Oh, I mean, uh, see, that's going to be a huge throwdown. This is hard. We need this to have like, an entire episode devoted to which nations we're all... Can we be the Indigo Lotus? <laughs> I would never shave my head. I guess... I a... think I talked... I think I talked to Dave about all of us getting red lotus tattoos as a sort of fellowship mm. of the ring to mark this experience in our life. I feel like we'd be saying we'd sending the wrong message with that. But it's so pretty. Is there somewhere between the white and red lotus that we can go? The pink lotus. The pink who's, lotus. Who's talking? I've never listened to this podcast before. You're all strangers. To oh me. yes. Sorry, who, sorry. who who are the people we've united for this finale talk? Well, we have Davindra. Show me the metal bending Hardawar. Hello. We've got Joanna. Oh, no, you did not, Kai Robinson. Uh, hello. <laughs> Was that fitting? We've got <laughs> Dave, studio mirror devotee, Gonzalez. That's right. It was beautiful. Uh, <laughs> and I am Matt projecting real world politics onto this moment patches. And um, we are, we're back here with uh, one more episode to round out book three change. Uh, we'll be figuring out what nations we're all from probably over the course of this episode. Um, but first, we should talk about what happened in this double header. Dave, can you give us the brief rundown here? Yes, so in Enter the Void, Team Avatar splits into three teams to answer Zaheer's ultimatum, sending Mako, Bolin, and Asami to the Northern Air Temple to save the airbenders, while Suyin, Lin, and the Metal Clan, and Tonrock scale Lahima's peak where Korra attempts to turn herself over to the Red Lotus. After a double cross involving Minghua's water for arms, all heck breaks loose. Gazan and Minghua destroy the Northern Air Temple, the Beifongs kill Pali, Plee, and Zaheer neos off with the Avatar <laughs> and Enter the Void. The Venom of the Red Lotus, Kai helps Team Avatar find the Red Lotus Temple and the captive airbenders. The grand plan of the Red Lotus is revealed. They want to poison the Avatar, forcing Korra into the Avatar state so they could kill her and end the Avatar cycle. What they weren't counting on was the power of the Avatar state. Mako and Bolin take on Gazan and Minghua, while Zaheer and Korra Dragon Ball Z all over the everywhere. As the poison <laughs> takes its hold, Jinora realizes the on- that only the new airbenders can save Korra, using all of them together to create a vortex to pull down Zaheer. So he- Suyin pulls the metal poison out of Korra, but she's still weak. Two weeks later, we catch up for Janora's Air Master Ceremony, and we learn that while the Avatar heals, the Air Nation will be the X-Men to her wheelchair professor. (laughs) (laughs) um, Is it actually two weeks after? Is that... I believe that's what they say. A Fortnite. Or Let's teach everyone Asami, what a Fortnite is. When Asami, the fantastic <laughs> caregiver of the Avatar, I think she says two weeks. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> Joanna, so. Joanna chuckled hat. at my Fortnite joke. Anyway, um, before we get too much into this, I just want to thank everybody for a whole season worth of comments and reactions and um, 
iTunes reviews and everything that people have been doing um, to help make this show possible and to help make it as uh, interesting and compelling and, and wealthy for, for Cora fans as possible. Uh, it's all you guys. So thank you so much. And, you know, I was sitting here watching Cora in this finale thinking like is there any show that does action like this is there any show out there like Legend of Korra I really don't think so and if your friends if you have not convinced your friends to watch Legend of Korra or your family or people who would who swear off cartoons because there's so many people like that or all animation uh, I would urge you to to tell them watch this show and then listen to Republic City Dispatch for an explanation as to why this is so uh, interesting I think so right we're, this is what we're making it happen here yeah uh, <laughs> yep Real serious thought about <laughs> cartoons uh, is let, good. Let's start talking about Enter the Void, which has nothing to do with Gaspar Noah's 2009 film, which I'm highly Doesn't recommending. It uh, I wish it's. I wish they did the credits in that style at the end of the oh, episode. That would have been amazing. I, if people, if people who listen to this show watch Gaspar Noah's Enter the Void, I think there would be a lot of growing up in that moment. That that's a that's a movie that might change you. So watch out. But uh, Enter I the Void. Do like a- a comparison post between the two. <laughs> there, there's, there. It has some. There's, there's a lot of Buddhist teaching in Noah's Enter the Void, so it sure. might have. There might be some connections here. What did you guys make of this episode, uh, Davindra? Since you weren't here last week, uh, and you were pretty convinced that Tenzin was going to die, as many of us were. Although I like loosened up on that because I got, I started getting scared. Everyone was so angry at us for <laughs> implying that uh, Tenzin might kick the bucket, uh, and thank God he didn't. Hashtag Tenzin lives now. Um, but what did, what did you make of this? Um, well, Enter the Void in particular, like last week's episode, uh, I love that Tenzin finally got his chance to shine. Like, I, I feel like he's been kind of subdued, not as relevant as he was in season one over the past two books. Uh, but he finally had a chance to kick butt last episode. Uh, but I was disappointed that, uh, you know, it's uh, it feels like they almost chickened out from actually going forward mm. and killing Tenzin and actually having that death be meaningful because, you know, the, I think one of the last scenes in the very, in, la, in the last episode was the camera panning away as Tenzin just gets beat up. And I think that sort of implied something horrible has happened. And we see in this episode and the next one that, uh, you know, he's just, you know, really beat up. He's severely injured. Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like, that could have gone a bit more. And I almost wonder if they're going to do like the uh, the martial arts movie thing where, you know, he has these irreparable uh, internal injuries or something because of this. And then, yeah, he could still die eventually or something. I don't know. It just feels like it would have been a little more meaningful. But I do think this episode was great. That Tenzin is still on Devendra's death watch. Everybody's on death watch, basically. <laughs> Everybody's on death watch. Um, but yeah, this episode was fantastic. And uh these two are kind of running together in my head. The P, uh, the Pili, is it? Yeah, I, I think it's Plea. Plea, like- the Plea, yeah, death. I think was really interesting, and the way they just that was a horrific way to go. By the way, and they yeah. didn't really animate much of it. It was just like the the you know, it was good. it was um, it was good. It was good, but it was almost like the uh, the thing from Game of Thrones, you know, the crown of gold. Yeah, Except yeah, yeah. you don't sit there and see her like you know. Feel the pain of it. It's just like, oh, this is going to be bad. And right, it goes around her head, it, and I think it cuts right. away pretty quickly. And then we see smoke. That's all we see. And then we see, yeah, Zaheer kind of 
be yeah, sad it was like, for a little It was while. like the Earth Queen death where they cut away before you actually mm-hmm. have to watch the death. And I thought right. that was so good because, yeah, like your brain fills in the blanks. <laughs> you're like, okay, oh, but – but you don't have to see it, and especially like if you're part of the you know younger side of the audience, you don't have to see it. Is that so. is sure. that the rule now in like the Avatar universe when they have to kill someone? It's just like it's just heavily implied that they're killed, but you won't see the actual moment. So like in that sense, pretty sure Gazan's dead because he brought the temple down upon him. Uh-huh. But we did see an unconscious Ming Hua, which makes me think that breaks the rule of not being able to see death. So I kind of think right. she might be okay. It does make it kind of confusing because, right, the Tenzin scene uh, in the last episode was being panned away as like three, you know, super powerful benders were yeah. beating him up. So that felt like a death scene to me. But, you know, it, it and then he's just in chains not, when you pick up. Yeah. But uh, to what you're saying, I think the the plea death was really interesting, too, because uh, it, it sort of helped Zaheer unlock this final bit of power that he had for him to go full Dragon Ball Z and start flying. <laughs> uh, I read your review, Matt, and uh, you were saying like he, his, um, what his torment over losing her was kind of his downfall. And I don't think that was it at all. It was her, the fact that he had no more earthly ties, you know, that actually helped him attain this next level. But of he's so enraged, like, and I guess we're kind of steering. <laughs> he actually into... isn't. No, I but I think, I think, yeah. Cause I, uh, Gazan or someone says like, yeah. You fly now. How did that happen? He's like, I let go of all earthly exactly. desires, and then they go, "Where's Plea?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't. So, he's not tearing up. He is not emotional yeah. about it at all. His but he is later. Is he's not in that moment, but he is. Yeah, but he's. Yeah, I don't think he's emotional about Plea. He's emotional about finally attaining his crazy goal of you know utter chaos and that's the thing like he's overzealous Hmm. over his goal and maybe he didn't fully think it out because hey guys when you put the avatar in an avatar state maybe you should watch out maybe that's a problem right well what's so interesting chains chains will do it just chains yeah Yeah, platinum chains actually platinum right let me mention a couple times that they're platinum just in case you're wondering why she's not bending them they're platinum i like that new little rule they put in there yeah yeah. It's kryptonite. Is platinum not an earth metal? Is that why? I think I no, I think they we talked about platinum um in book one. It's okay. it's it's like um Too pure? It's refi- it's, it yeah, it's, re- it's purified, it? so it doesn't have any earth in it. Uh, well, because they can mm-hmm. actually bend metal that's not from earth because Sue says that Korra should the study with meteorites. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean bending. it's all uh, earth bending has weird little avenues. Like uh, lava bending. Uh, Bolin time. Yeah. Yeah. Bolin time. Oh, my, it's such, such a good two episodes for Bolin. So good. I, uh, I was thrilled by that. Review. Well, there is no uh, linear conversation going on this podcast. Sorry. And I no, mean, we're, still, we're still in Enter the Void. That still happens. Oh, okay. It does? No, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the lava yeah, bending. Yeah, oh, you're right. The, the the temple crumbles in Enter the Void. Yeah, yeah it's all it's all a blur. But I mean, how thrilled are we that Bolin lava bends versus you know we were talking on last week's episode about how I don't think we would feel very fulfilled if Bolin managed to metal bend in a in an important moment. Right, um, right. And I think it's cunning scripting um, on the on the part of Brian and Mike and and all the writers at the show to kind of drive this will he won't he metal bending. Uh, storyline and then they kind of come out of nowhere with lava bending I mean they set it up because of Gazan because his pure existence allows this idea to be given to Bolin this power Um, but I really I felt 
satisfied and and distracted by metal bending in a way. Yeah, it was a really successful red herring. Those aren't easy mm-hmm. to pull off, and I totally swallowed. And I was like, "All right, this is lazy storytelling, guys. I see what you're trying to set up. Some sort of metal bending triumph." And then, you know, my snark was slapped down. I know into it's, this, it's so, <laughs> and it's so empowering for him. Like, I'm a lava yeah. bender, I guess. Awesome, yeah. uh, and in true Bolin way, classic Bolin, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I did want to backtrack um, since Devendra brought up a few of these deaths, Plea and, and Zaheer Plea. flying. This is obviously the big moment in the episode. But I think what this episode does really well is have all these goodbyes. Like Korra saying goodbye to Team Avatar mm-hmm. is still really emotional for me. Uh, and I think it's because it's really understated. Uh, you know, I, I said in my review that um, when Korra hugs Mako goodbye – uh, I feel like a tremendous amount of emotion over that without them having to do much um, because it's like these guys have overcome so much. It's preying on the foundation that they've built over three books um, where these guys are not – they're not worried about the romance anymore or any of this uh, relationship stuff that plagued them in book two. They're friends. They're great friends. They love each other uh, in in a friend way at least right now and I thought that was really powerful and her saying goodbye to all the – uh, her dad and, and to Sue and Lynn and like I just loved all those goodbyes and then of course Zaheer gets that moment too but mm-hmm. which I loved I loved yeah, I thought that was really f- was really good I thought that was really efficient storytelling for Plea to just like really quickly give some of her own backstory mm-hmm. humanize the villains and that sort of thing that's what I meant not flashback the, yeah well the people co- are kind the of new history I think people would have liked to see flashbacks you see some reactions to this finale saying like where do, we don't know anything about Zaheer we don't know anything about the red lotus right. and like where they've come from but um I guess well I mean in egg fil- on my in face, filmmaking, I, I was saying earlier this season that flashbacks are now part of the dna of the show and that kind of didn't happen so Mm -hmm, so, sorry guys do you do you think that this is um you know they always tell you show do not tell uh when you're when you're making a film or uh but but in this case is is telling more effective it's i love those lines where they just kind of come out of nowhere um resurfacing conversations mm -hmm. memories moments that are ingrained in these characters that we don't get to see we just get to see the moment where they're recalled i think if it's just if it's going to be like quick as it was then it's good if it's a long involved story i would much rather see it right but you know she, i think she just had two lines and yeah. it, it fleshed her out so completely yeah so. save me from yeah. becoming was... the warlord or the uh, warlord's killing machine when i was a girl yeah what mm-hmm. basically she's, she's gamora killing machine for him <laughs> yeah. I yeah i don't know oh, that that left me a little confused because yeah she did end up just being a killing machine for this guy so but she's in love know. she, she kills him. out of That's, love that makes it better guys <laughs> that makes it better i think you know for something like this if it's organic to the story and to the characters, and yeah, it's totally fine. But I do hate those things where, like, you know, you're watching a movie, you're reading a book or something, and somebody introduces themselves, like, you know, as your brother, I feel so and so. Like people basically stating their relationships and their positions and things like that. I think this was a little, this was a lot more organic and it felt uh, better because of that. Yeah, and it also helped that they planted that little uh, making out after they broke her out of the prison, just as like. I'd kind of forgotten about it. I'd kind of forgotten yes. there were a couple over the past couple of weeks because the Red Lotus has been terrorizing everybody. <laughs> but like that was nice to call back. And because it's Avatar and I don't really expect people to die, I didn't see it like I would see it in like a 
drama show where I'm like, why are you humanizing this character right before the end? Probably because she's not going to make it. Yeah. Yeah, that did not so, cross my mind either. It snuck up on me. It was a total Whedon thing, though. Like, yeah. You yeah, had that yeah, one yeah. sweet scene and then, oh, you, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, then they did a fake out with Tom Rock, like because mm-hmm. he also had his like sweet goodbye, as Matt says, with um, Cora. And you think there, are, at the end of the day, there were no casualties other than, of course, Cora in a wheelchair. But there yeah. were no casualties on the good guy's side. Um, yeah. yeah, which is an interesting thing to think about, and whether or not we think that that's a, a logical outcome of this kind of big battle. But yeah. um, but yeah, the Tom Rock fake out. I don't know. It was, it, but that was fairly satisfying to me. And it was only I rewatched it. And it was only upon rewatch because sometimes I'm rustier than you guys on like the rules of bending that I realized when he smashed his ice dagger, then he was out of water, mm-hmm. right? And so he's up on this cliff without any water, which is why he like I was just wondering why he was all of a sudden so defenseless. But that's because yeah, like you can't make water out of the thin air, right? Unless it's really yeah. foggy. Yeah, I mean, you could pull it out of clouds. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that yet. Do we have okay. cloud bending yet? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, Katara. Katara knows how to cloud oh, bend. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I remember. I mean, the, so the Tonrock thing, too, <laughs> was interesting because it was, yes, another fake out for Korra potentially losing a father figure. Right, yeah. And, yeah, it's weird that we have both of those scenes for Tenza and Tonrock. And it doesn't go through with either of them. And I, I don't know. I feel like that would have added so much to the character, to mm-hmm. Korra. It would have really upped the stakes for the next book a little. Uh, whereas now it's like, you know, there really aren't any losses. And the real loss for Korra is all internalized right. um, as we see at the very end of the finale. It's weird well, because I think she actually she, thinks yeah. that her dad is dead throughout right. the episodes. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I think that needed to happen. And, you know, and Tenzin and the Air Nation needed to basically be threatened. And as far as she knew, yeah. didn't make yeah. it out just so... You know, after the poison makes her hallucinate all of her enemies, she hits her lowest point again, not standing on the edge of a cliff this time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, is there some are we are we to the venom of the red lotus now? Did well, we no, I want, I want to go back okay. really quickly and yeah. snuck on Mako for a second. And I'm sorry, Mako, because <laughs> <laughs> you have done so much character building this season. But that was shoddy policeman work to be like, oh, those shadowy hooded figures in the back. That's obviously the entire Arab nation. I'm sure of it. I can't really see anything. Yeah, but. Milo's grown up to be a normal sized person by now. <laughs> that's got to be. And they're all wearing this their hoods. why you always... You got to go in with the waterbender, guys. The waterbender would have sensed that immediately. Come on. It was a pretty clever trick, though. I, yeah, I yeah. was also surprised by it. Oh, yeah. I was surprised was with cool how it was visual. pulled off. Yeah. It was I mean, a cool visual. The melting was really good. But um, as soon as I saw the hoods were up, I'm like, oh, something's going on here. But I didn't know what was going on. When I did, I'm like, that is terrifying. I feel yeah. like because we have Minghua in this season, no one's mentioned Ko, the face dealer, because Minghua is just scary enough that we don't have to. Hope that's a really scary avatar verse character will enter the show. I'm just throwing yeah, that out there. People... Tentacle armed Mingwa. She's so scary. Might, she might be the scariest of the Red Lotus. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then it's it's interesting how they also like keep pairing her with Mako throughout the entire season, yeah. building to like. I really like how the the show subtly told me exactly what was going to happen in the finale. Much more so, I feel than book two did. Which was like, what are we doing? Uh, oh, spirit, kid, you. Uh, I still uh, don't really get the ending of book two. To be something, quite I mean, <laughs> but it's it's anyway. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it, like it, the 
the whole of Korra is starting to work with the other books. Mm. And we're, I'm really lucky that, or I'm really happy that book three works so well as an individual part because it also makes book two better and throws some things that I'm assuming we're going to deal with in book four. And so it's really nice to have this unified thing coming at me. I, I was uh. especially curious about your opinions, Dave, because there was um, an acceleration to uh, th- these two episodes where we, we thought that maybe uh, Brian and Mike were lying, that this would not be as self-contained as we had predicted and that right. there was a lot of story to wrap up or there was a lot of potential to carry it over or maybe to expand it, um, that perhaps this wasn't going to be self-contained. But alas, it is. Um, did, it, did it work for you? I mean, did kind of keep yeah. it in the high gear end up functioning well? Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, yeah. I, only because they did well as storytellers in planting the right things in my mind. Um, I could have done without a lot of the Kai stuff, um, having Whoa. to come back. <laughs> uh, I you mean, you're going to pay it off a little, I guess. I know, right? I, I agree. Yeah. But, like, it, there's just, like, the timing of a Mako and Kai scene. I'm like, this is what you're talking about right now? Like, did he ruffle his hair? He did in my head. And no. And then and then the fact that he called his air his air bison lefty. I'm like, you are the worst airbender ever, Kai. <laughs> lefty? Is he Poochie? Is is Kai the he Poochie? He's the Poochie of, of the Kai series. is the Poochie. Yeah. Except he's, he's actually the cousin useful. Oliver, right? <laughs> oh, Kai died in the Fire Nation in between books. Oops. <laughs> With lefty. Oh man. With lefty. He's, he's truly actually- a little rascal. Holdover. I was kind of okay with Kai's level of involvement ah. because it, he, I know, and I was prepared to be, oh no, you didn't, but like <laughs> he, his, his amount of rescuing wasn't like Bolin got the real hero moment. He right, Kai doesn't it. really help. He's just like I accidentally yeah, figured out where ride. everyone is, so let's go there. Yeah, Kai shows up with a ride, and then. And then it's, uh, once again, efficient storytelling to be like, you don't have to wonder where the Air Nation are, is. Between the episodes, I scope that out. So we're yeah. on it, you know? Yeah, he's, so, he's the plot point. But it was yeah. it was interesting they had that scene of nobody paying attention to him because it kind of showed the stark difference between Legend of Korra as a series and you know Avatar The Last Airbender. Because for Avatar, it was all the kids. It was the kids saving the world and right. i think kai right now is kind of our little our little glimpse of that again in Janora and everybody else all the other kids but that was like in if this was avatar you know and kai was ang or something everybody would be listening intently to everything he was saying and he didn't quite have that here did um was anyone else reminded of that breaking bad scene where jesse pinkman's in the background going magnets <laughs> what about magnets <laughs> No. I didn't get no, that moment because yeah, there was mean, no Varric. Sort of now. There was Magnets no ma- is next season. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Kai is no Jesse Pinkman, but that, that was my... Getting out is fun. Kai, yeah, I'm sorry. Back to, the, back to the question you asked, Patches. It yeah. worked well because each one of the Red Lotus people, I knew more about them than I thought I... than I felt like I did to the point where it's like when it's Bolin and Gazan's final showdown... And Gazan's sort of impressed by his lava bending. But like really at that point, the plan with the avatars failed and Gazan mm-hmm. just really doesn't want to go back to that prison. And he's talked several times about how much he's hated that prison. And the whole conversation with him and Mako and Bolin and ming in the back of the truck that we all thought was this great comedy moment is actually this huge character building moment that's telling us about our finale in a way that I felt like because I didn't know what the Red Lotus 
Lotus was doing, that we had too much story. But as soon as it was revealed what the Red Lotus was doing, it mm-hmm. clarified the storytelling from earlier in the season and allowed the climaxes to play really well for me, with the mm. exception of Kai. I think it's a testament yeah. to the voice acting, honestly, like how I know Gazan and why he feels like a well-rounded character. I, For some reason, I had a moment when he was bickering with Mako and Bolin in this episode where I was just like, Peter Giles, this guy who does Gazan's voice. I'm like, this is a great performance. I I think I like him even more than Henry Rollins as a, oh, sure. as a hero. Yeah. I just think he yeah, is really Henry shaping Rollins that. That bringing it, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Henry Rollins is bringing it as much as a non-voice actor can bring it. Kind of, kind of one note. Right? Yeah, he's doing yeah. he's doing Henry Rollins, which is yeah, fine, exactly. But like so, when he has some of his like big threatening villainy lines, I kept thinking about well, another voice actor would just chew through this, you know, and yeah. make it really, really well, something. You, def- Henry you, Rollins. you really feel that in Venom of the Red Lotus when you get a taste of Amon. For again, or you get a right, taste of right. Unalak, even with his like faux uh, Shakespearean bad guy, uh, or or Una <laughs> or uh, Unalak. Or, what's his name? Unavatu? No, Vatu. They became Vatu. Unavatu. Ooh. But uh, just yeah. seeing all these classic villains, I'm like oh, that was fun. Henry Rollins someone in the okay. comment, someone in the comments brought up uh, how it's funny that Unalak was technically a Red Lotus member and a world leader, so no wonder nobody liked him. <laughs> Because, like, their whole thing is, like, there shouldn't be leaders. And he's like, well, I should be the leader. So he was, like, <laughs> posing, right? He was infiltrating government. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, but he wanted to become Unavatu, which is, like, ultimate evil leader. That's true. I don't know. I, I still, th- up until the poison came out, I still thought we were going to see someone try to pull Vatu out of mm-hmm. Bora. Yeah, but, someone in yeah. our comments was asking if you felt like you got your Temple of Doom moment from this episode. <laughs> I mean, I really think like mercury poison going in through your pores is pretty sweet. So that's yeah. that that came as close to a Temple of Doom moment that I needed. <laughs> yeah. Like she's in, she's suspended in a crystal cavern, and they force <laughs> metal poison into her, and she trips out. Like that's basically Indy getting the black poison and yeah. flipping out yeah. in the Temple and of Doom. And it's not just a crystal cavern; it's marked with the red lotus symbol. Well, it's yeah, like they it's hang a, out there. They worked on this for a while. It's, yeah. a, <laughs> it's a green crystal cavern, too. It looked like kryptonite to me. It was all the, like, poisons. Let's oh. poison our hero moments. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, Have, just from the green light. I don't yeah, think it was yeah. actually interesting. The second I saw it, I was like, oh, man, she's going to make the crystal ang armor. Because I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Uh, I've, I've missed that air, that earthbending technique. Is that the finale awesome. of, of book two Avatar, in Avatar where he does that? Is that it when he gets be. shocked? There's, there's a remember. lot of there's a lot of echoes uh, between yeah. the Avatar original Avatar and these two episodes. Before we talk about the badassery of Avatar State, I also do want to give a shout out to in the previous episode her like chain bending that she looked like a like a really cool rabbit like a really cool rabbit. Around. What? Can you give examples of, of other rabbits that would fall into that uh, category? Uh, read Watership Down and then get back to me. But yeah. uh, they're or not Monty Python and the Holy Grail again. They are not <laughs> elegant rabbits. Oh, that elegant rabbits. Well, I that's what I'm imagining. I mean, she has an elegant story. She's like a Chinese uh, acrobat. That's what I kept thinking mm-hmm. about. Okay, I I didn't mean to degrade her by calling her a rabbit. It was a compliment. How dare you, <laughs> Miss? <laughs> But just like hopping around and shooting stuff from her feet, it was it was lovely. It was really yeah, fighting with her dad. I I mean, all 
all of once again i feel like we praise this all the time but the fight choreography in this show is amazing and the way that they learn how to use geography in the first episode because they're not flying around it's actually more hard <laughs> but like the way that you know, it's like you know where all three battles are taking place in relation to each other and they have moments where they share awareness of each other's battle but at no point do they like cross over mm. it works like it's like a, they exponentially made the battle where they tried to kidnap Korra halfway through the season better but used like a very similar geography setup I love well, it well uh, I, I mentioned this in my write up but I'd be curious what you guys think um i feel like i notice the action direction more in cora than any movie that i see during the summer or what whatnot because they can play with the angles more like there can mm-hmm. be or there can mm-hmm. be medium shots wide shots close-ups they just seem to and i mean this is animation they get to choose and they can go to any angle whereas these big hollywood movies with actors who can't fight or it's full of CG to make this wild spectacle happen. Right. You can't or really other- have medium shots. And I think Korra is all about medium shots. But maybe I'm, I'm too in deep on that theory. I don't think you're that far off. For me, it's more like it's so much better than other things on television. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back in a month. And it's like, <laughs> I'm going to watch him fight on the plane again. Um, yeah. At least, The camera's you know. going to shake and somebody, yeah. It's yeah, so someone's going to get thrown through glass because It's still kind of Star Trek, effects. the original series style, like turbulence, yeah. right? Right. I that mean, show just yeah. looks cheap. Everything that show does looks cheap. So. Yeah, and it really shouldn't. Like I was watching, yeah. I'm rewatching uh, season four of Battlestar Galactica right now. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I can't believe how much budget they gave that. They're like... There's like they're going to a Cylon base ship and you see a Raptor land and then all these like troops get out. And it's like how they put this on cable, like subscription cable television. Yeah, there's no excuse for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. looking terrible. Yes. Yeah. Or just like there's no excuse for bad action directing on TV because like you just write for what you have. And but there's no action on television. I kept thinking about this after these two episodes. What are the other great action shows? On the season of 24 was really good in terms yeah. of being 24 and being action and knowing 24 that, action. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, just barricade Jack Bauer in a room for a whole episode and it oh, works because you that know was so how good. To, yeah, you know how yeah. to use your characters. I do think the shows with the best action on TV, a lot of people just don't end up seeing. Like, did you guys ever see Spartacus on, uh, was yes. that AMC? Oh, Spartacus man. was so good. The final was, season of Spartacus was so good. Yeah. Mostly because it's animation, right? Isn't it? Well, oh. no, no, no. It was oh. like cheap 300 digital effects. That's what but I mean. they had really good actors. <laughs> that That's not animation, though. Like, well, they had about, actors who were really buff and who actually did stuff, too. Right. What about, like, a Neil Marshall-directed Game of Thrones, which yeah. has yeah. crazy You are so high on Neil Marshall-directed Game of Thrones. I'm glad. See, I'm glad see VanityFair.com for Joanna's most recent love fest. With <laughs> well, I mean, it was very good. It was very good. So I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Marshall Game of Thrones is actually a good point where it's like yeah. uh, Battle of Blackwater I really liked. Watchers on the Wall was had, terrible. A little, had a few more seams in it, like that panning shot where we just go all around and it's mm-hmm. like, we're going to look at all these like partial things. And then, like, it doesn't always have the best geography. Like, the watches on the wall had to have, like, that fly-through shot, like, right at the beginning. So it's like, yes, here's yes. where all our pieces are. Right. Cora is just like, we're on top of this mountain you've never heard of before, but you know where everything's happening. Mm-hmm. But, but you yeah, see t- the air temple from this, mm-hmm. like, you get, yeah, you get the location for it. And even exactly. Marshall, I'm like, I don't just want to talk about Neil Marshall and Game of Thrones, I promise. <laughs> mm-hmm, but even mm-hmm. he said, like, the reason he did that 360 shot in the courtyard, I didn't put this in, but the reason that he did it was because he himself was getting lost. 
Like they were storyboarding the crap out of that episode and he wasn't able to track every beat of action. And so Mm -hmm. the 360 that he did in the courtyard was to check in with every character. So then you got a sense of their geography. Mm. But I I agree with you guys that Blackwater is a great episode. Watchers on the Wall is not a great episode. Part of the problem with with the Wall episode is that it's all dark. It's all at night and you can barely tell. So so is Blackwater. Yeah, but Blackwater at least has all the torches of people in the castle and then Blackwater, all the ships out sailing towards them. There's a lot of action that's happening inside. I'm less down on Watchers in the Wall, if only because he gave. Uh, there were some really cool character moments with. Uh, you like what's... giants and their and their giants, and also there were some great arrow mastodons moments. Well, yeah, yeah and to, so get, cool. to get yeah. back to Cora, yes. what Marshall does in his films and in his TV shows is use action as character building, in my yeah. opinion, and that's what Cora does so well too. Like watching Lynn and Sue fight together, which we'd already seen them do, but it still like warmed my heart. Um, to, and then like, she gets to say, I just... love you, which is really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then Sue not only is not evil, but is actually like the, the hero of the day. The master strategist. <laughs> there's yeah. still, there's the still the plan. a chance. There's still time. I still think she could be evil. I'm just so Like, maybe she didn't pull all the poison out? <laughs> well, like, uh, okay. Someone, so one of our commenters said, she also pulled out all the metal. Like, Cora is just iron deficient now. Oh. <laughs> No wonder she can't walk. You guys. Yeah. I mean, like, I have my Death Watch guys, but yeah, waiting for her to be evil, I don't. I don't. No, I don't wait. Hail Hydra, guys. Yes. Hail okay. Hydra. So there's a few reasons why she could still be evil in my crazy, crazy <laughs> theory here. One is Mako's line, which is Hail Hydra. It is, there must be more Red Lotus members than we thought. Sure, sure. Um, sure. So that might be a setup for book four. That might be. I mean, we just know that Hydra is out there, aka yeah. Red Lotus. And why? Uh, does, why does Lin uh, Suyin care where this new Kuvari character we're supposed to care about stays Kuvira. or goes? Her name Kuvira. is Kuvira. But whatever. Yes, let's she, talk until about she Kuvira. does something. I don't have to remember her name. Well, yeah, I'm sure Robin Williams' daughter will be back in some fashion, right? Like yeah. that's yeah. You don't you don't have her say a couple lines just for fun, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, but uh, like it might be that she's like a fan of the series, yeah. a huge fan of the series, and they're like, okay, like you know, we like Zelda. She's a friend of the show. Let's give her like I, let's name check, like basically give her a walk on. That's probably that what is it was. It very like possible. That. It felt like a fan winning a contest or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow! But, uh, to I didn't back even think to what you were that. saying, let's rewind a little okay. to what you're saying, Matt. Like about <laughs> animation and action and everything. You're totally right because yes, everything is possible with animation, but you also have to be careful because you can't go crazy. You can't like you know start using crazy camera yes. angles that feel unnatural or that don't even exist. So you gotta kind of balance it. But I think that's looking at action anime, like my favorite things, like Rurouni Kenshin, uh, Bleach when it was good, Dragon Ball Z before it got really convoluted. Like there's a lot of stuff anime can do that's really interesting on an action level. And that's I love martial arts films too. And those also, you know, exist in this realm of like fantasy. Well when so yeah when you mentioned when you mentioned Spartacus, I thought about this kind yes. of current renaissance we're in with direct-to-DVD movies and why mm-hmm. I find yeah. action in direct-to-DVD movies more interesting than what we do on the Hollywood scale. Um, yeah. and, and the Raid and the Raid 2 uh, Redemption or whatever it's called um, kind of fit into this too. Uh, they, they have real w- fighters and they're sculpting mm-hmm. uh, you know, story around fight sequences and it's all about choreography. It's all about pulling back as far as you can and kind of putting these moves on a pedestal and directed DVD movies have the same sure. tendency because they, they don't Some have a lot of, of money. So they try and make the action as realistic and intense as possible. Well, even just Some like of them smaller. Do. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I keep hearing people talk about this. Slide. 
think specifically they're talking about like, the Universal Soldier directed yes. DVD movies. And you know what? I've tried to watch a couple of those, and they're they're <laughs> fine. They're okay, but I do think we are overstating how interesting and how good those things are as action movies because they're dull and boring until you get to the action. Whereas, or, you know, yeah. you look at the raid and you look at the raid too. And those are actually, you know, they actually tell an interesting story. They build up characters and they use the action to really well, interesting effect. The raid too is terrible, but the raid. Uh, you, you're, you're using terrible to quality in this episode. No raid two. I just rewatched it. I, it's there two and so a half hours long. long Devendra. How do you do it? Yes. Yes. You have better awesome. things to do with your life. You could rewatch I, half of I'd book rather, two. I definitely watch that rather than Universal Soldier or any of those movies again. So. Sure, that, I will give you but that. Back to Korra. Uh, <laughs> back to Kuvira. Well, speaking <laughs> of DV, uh, d- 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 direct, direct to, to, direct to video, DVD. do we think we're going to get book book four via Nick.com or, or not? Well, not. I think that's yeah, the plan, I, right? I think so, yeah. I, I listening to... <laughs> Listening to the so the creators are on the Nerdist Writers panel, which is one of my favorite podcasts um, this week, um, and they talked a lot about it's it's an interesting listen for sure. And I haven't read like a lot of their interviews, so this might all be old stuff. I don't know, but they talked a lot about their feelings about the movie, which was fascinating. Um, <laughs> and then they talked about yeah the switch to digital, and I don't know if they're just sort of who's stepping to the Nickelodeon company line or not, but you know, they seem very like, like I think they were frustrated with the way they found out about it right before Comic-Con. But in terms of the logic behind it, they seem pretty prosaic about it and they know that they're going to get, you know, they're already done with before. So they're not worried about, I mean, not done, done, but yeah, I think they said they're mixing the finale or something. They said, right, right. I think they've done all the writing and all the preliminary art, and so they're still like you know finishing some art. But uh, I don't think they're worried about not getting their book four mm-hmm. out there. And they talked about how people discovering it. So I don't think they care week to week about ratings so much as long as they get to tell their whole story, which they do, and people discover it. Which, as we saw with Avatar being like all on Netflix, that's where it got a lot of its audience. So right. I, you know, the digital platform mid season, not telling the creators until right before Comic Con, like that's all not good moves on Nick's part. <laughs> but like overall, I don't think it's going to damage. The, the brand, right? Yeah. Well, the piece of art. Well, yeah. well wouldn't you rather just have like I don't know three Korra movies to make book four instead of having to wait week to week for Nick.com? I, sure, but out? then how would they sell it? Right? Would they? Are you talking about like direct video sales, like some of the Marvel and DC movies? I would say do something. something like that, maybe, or put it on Nick.com simultaneously yeah. as a, like a purchase release. Because it's I don't know, it's something. There's something about this season not being able to like iTunes and Amazon as fast as I want to. You can Amazon it now. Uh, you, you can now. Yes, you but can like, buy it now. That really so I, I just, slowed me down. It, everything was all messed up this season. I do think when it comes to book four, they'll know they're going to be streaming on Nick. They will hopefully have it on you know video on demand platforms as well immediately. So the people who have the money and who just want to buy it. And everybody else could stream it on Nick.com. Right. One, interest for the, uh, one interesting thing from that podcast is that uh, they said the finale last season, the one where they announced pretty much the day of that, oh, yeah, we're going to put it online tonight at mm-hmm. midnight. They said millions of people watched that. Two mil- which, yeah, two million yeah. people, way more than who watched it on air. And that's surprising. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, maybe it just goes to show like the kind of audience Cora has and maybe the way you know they're, they're already watching savvy. online, so of course they're going to go. Yeah, yeah, maybe... It shows that, but it, it'll be interesting to see if Cora can survive on its own at Nick.com. I mean, but uh, yeah, yeah. 
basically the fans who love it want it as soon as it's available. And if they don't have Nickelodeon or I don't know, like mm-hmm. it seems to me that it's smart to air it online with, with a few commercial breaks, but less so than TV. And then I really do think that will cut into some of their pirating problems. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but yeah. Uh, but the pirating problems is something that's on us to shut it down. I, I'm talking us as you listeners fans. Uh, we can't we can't watch leaks this time. Yeah, we can't do it. It's still well. They were saying worse. they were all saying once again. I don't know if this is the Nickelodeon company line, but they were also saying that the leaks have nothing to do with the scheduling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That seems once again, true. I don't know. Well, we can't say we can't about it. We can't speak so. to that. But I, I do love um, Brian Brian. Konietzko's um, Tumblr because he's writing he's writing these things that I, I'm just kind of astonished to see and maybe Dan Harmon sets this precedent with how outspoken he was about community and working with NBC but Brian is just very it's kind of passive aggressive but just open about his frustrations with this process so in thanking all the fans for checking out the finale and sticking with the season he says thanks for sticking with this show after the bumpy ride in book two and the hide and seek network shenanigans this summer uh and then he goes on to say we'll be back with book four as soon as possible hopefully it won't be released only on smart watches or some other inane platform (laughs) i'm like wow bro (laughs) yeah no i mean the interesting thing about that interview is you hear them talk like uh, they talk about the animation process and how they got rid of exposure seats or basically telling animators how many frames things are going to happen and i was like that's really interesting because as somebody who works in animation I've like thought early on that that would be like my job uh, to get to be like a timer for something and work with X sheets. But then that sort of stopped happening after Flash came out. So I went and talked to my uh, MTV animators and I was like, have you guys ever actually done like an X sheet um, for any of the work that you've done? And none of them have done that. That's like entirely out. So it's interesting that like they're kind of crotchety old men in the they technology are. They're divide. Artists. They're artists, Luddites, but that's fine. I mean, that's why this show is better than most other yeah. things because <laughs> they don't do it the way that they, that everyone, that the business does it. Um, and I, it shows. Yeah. The thing I will call them out for in that interview that, and I don't know which one of them it was because I couldn't tell their voices apart, but um, one of them was talking about Harry Potter and this frustration with the world of Harry Potter where it's not clear why certain wizards are better than others. Like, yes, do you just yes. say the word so faster? Good. Do you point your wand more they point harder. That's all it like, is. Yeah. Like it, and it's true. And it's so right. And it's true. At the same time, I'm still not sure I buy Zaheer being the best airbender ever. Right. Well, I don't, think, so he, I don't think he is. When you look at how he fights, mm-hmm. he fights like a parkour guy. He doesn't fight like an airbender. So He's not like, actually better than pretty much anyone he encounters. He like pretty much loses to Kaya. He needs the other Red Lotus members to kind of kick Tenzin's butt. I mean, does he have yeah. a really successful fight? I think it's, not really. It's the difference between the like next level yeah, of airbending for anyone else. Well, he's you know, spiritually it's, it's, in tune. It's like Siddhartha. You sit under a tree for forever, and then that's how you get there. I mean, yeah. it, 
makes as much sense to me as something like that. I, I could buy that just because, yeah, he was in prison. He was sitting there for, what, 12 years or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think in all that time, he was just sitting and meditating. And <laughs> maybe he almost feels like his the, the arrival of his air powers is a result of that meditation. And that sort of like compounded everything, you know, he's been building towards his whole yeah. life philosophy well, has been. Well, I mean, confirmed. if he could astral project, he probably wasn't in that prison a lot. I don't right. think anyone right. but Janora can do that. No, because well, he can. Going to the he, spirit world. Yeah, he's been. Oh, no, that's sorry, true. In the spirit, but that, but that was can. after the spirit world opened up. Well, I mean, he and has his. Yeah, he has his glen. Cars, is, yeah, he has no. his glen right. where he met, where he threw what's his face, whose body is gonna apparently still rot in that oasis. Well, this is what <laughs> this is what makes it so interesting. So, if he's been meditating this whole time, you know, he mentions in the episode there ha- wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think about you, plot. Pili, or I can't say yep. it. Yep. Plea. 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 It just doesn't Plea. say it like P-L-E-A. But there's an apostrophe. Yeah, um, so he, I mean, he he mentions that, and which is why it's very astute of everyone to say that once Plea kicks the bucket, that Zaheer gains the ability to fly because he loses well, he this says tether. It too. Yeah. That well, he doesn't state it directly. He doesn't say like he now does. I have. No, he, he he tell like he's like now he can fly and it's like because I have no you know I no longer have anything tethering me to the world. Yes, I like yeah. that line where he's like now I can fly and then he flies. Um, can we talk about the flying a little more? Because I feel like we've glossed wait, over I just, that a little. Oh, we could just talk about the big final battle. Yeah, give me one second. Final battle. I, I want to yeah, say something because because you contended with my idea that he was uh, upset about losing her. And mm-hmm. I, I still think he was. How can you lose someone that you care so much about? He's not that cold. That's, oh, that's the no, interesting see, that's thing. The He's thing. so that's detached from the world. He can't be, he he can't be upset. Off. Yeah, he can't be upset. Mental. It's like, oh, never mind. I was going to make a Vampire Diaries analogy. Oh, I, no. I'm going to back off from you that. Can, you no can do that, but you're, you're in a free zone. <laughs> well, no, just, <laughs> just the, in the rules of that universe, vampires can shut off their humanity. Shut it, turn it on and off. So, like, this question of, like compartmentalizing to the extreme your so like they turn off their humanity and keep a yeah. blog is that their diary <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know diaries? why Zahir, why do I care why do I care about this <laughs> well, is Lestat to, amongst them to answer your question Matt like if you if we're looking at this like at a purely Buddhist level right or okay. the sort of like teachings and everything he's going for it's that's that's what it is that's what Buddhism you know the fundamental teaching i think for the for the hardcore buddhists for the people who you know forego their families who forego worldly possessions you reach nirvana by eschewing everything that ties you to the world so i do think it works in that respect and i we don't see him be torn up at all i just don't know how he gets so screwed up like why is he so bad at executing his plan well because he didn't count for the fact that the avatar state is super powerful like he's never fought the avatar He, he never knew no way! Yeah, he 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 tried to kidnap Korra apparently when she was little, but obviously wasn't like Avatar ready and just like had enough knowledge. He from missed the, the whole Kaiju Lotus. fight. There was no like TV uh. coverage. You know, he had no clue. <laughs> no live stream. With. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, even, right. Even when you hear about it, even you're just like, oh, and her eyes glow, and she lifts a whole bunch of rocks, and clearly Zahir was reading too much up. Guru Lahima and not enough Avatar Ang. That's uh. right. did Ang not write a memoir? How did he not get a book deal? <laughs> oh, what the <laughs> heck? You've got a book deal. Aang was like, uh, okay, there's got to be a good name for Aang's book. Okay, I'll keep thinking about it. Yes. Yeah, I know. Come I up with that pun. pun on Aang. Um, like, one, that's easy, but Aang is a little harder. Um, yeah. Cora, can I say get, my favorite? Get the Aang of it? Hey, nice. Hanging <laughs> <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> my favorite part about Korra Avatar State is they took her boots off to put her in those chains, right? So she ended up like barefoot in these like, you know, 
capris, basically, she looked like She-Hulk. Like, just because yeah. she didn't have her boots on, she looked very She-Hulk to me. Well, she was also um, hulking out more than anything. Yeah. Another yeah. thing that Brian... muscularized her, yeah. yeah. Yeah, another thing that Brian kind of passive-aggressively knocks in his little follow-up blog post about the finale is he's like, there's this gif that he posts of Korra spinning rocks around and she's like hulking out and going Avatar State crazy. He's like, I love this gif uh, uh, because look how buff Korra looks in this incredible animation. That's how she's supposed to look in every shot. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why are you knocking this? It looks great. I mean, and I'm glad that she looks more muscular and more like a killer almost. She just, it's extreme what yeah. happens to her when she goes yeah. in the Avatar state. And we, I mean, we mentioned this several times. I don't think we've seen Korra really have a good fight at all in book three until maybe this chain fight with Zaheer where she's dancing around like a, a, a bunny, apparently. Yeah. Well, they um, had to keep it. It was, this, it was the same thing. <laughs> It was it was the same thing where it's like the chain fight, she's chained up because you still can't have Korra actually fight the Red Lotus because as soon as she does, it turns it out it's does. all over. Yeah, yeah. I, feel so, like, I feel like we're antsy to get to Avatar or uh, Avatar State talk in Venom of the Red Lotus, but there's a significant portion of the episode that happens before any of that, right? Yes, yes. I mean, there's I, a lot. Yeah, I, okay. I, well, Janora, we, could ta- we could talk about Janora if that's what you want to talk about. Well, uh, so yeah, well, I guess we find the uh, airbenders locked up in this cave that Kai happens to have stumbled upon. Uh, mm-hmm. And everyone's just chilling there. And Janora is once again astral projecting her way into situations and um, Being I'm while Tenzin is not yeah yeah mm-hmm. I am perfectly okay with every kind of um, logic sidestepping that Janora allows like all the deus ex machina stuff that she yeah. seems to figure out because it's so empowering to this young female teenage character I mean I just think it's such a good example it's such a great character and if her journey is about making discoveries about being right about being heard then she can we get away with all that kind of stuff in these episodes can we talk about their breakout move with the keys which was great but then for nothing because the cavalry right everyone shows up opal's moment is kind of uh well it shows that they at least tried to help themselves yeah yeah yeah. right the airbender kids are still a good team and they still never say die and right right yeah that was like another shade of last airbender right it was like they can they could have gotten out and done something except the cavalry arrived do you want to say uh, quickly too before we get to the big fight is that I, th- I think the whole final plan of the red lotus uh with what they want to do with cora i love that because uh, it's so it's so obvious it's yeah, organic. so simple yeah we were we were here sitting like what is what is this plan what's he trying to do and really if this is a <laughs> guy who just wants complete anarchy right and he, he kill kill the avatar line like that is that is one huge thing you could do um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if we threw out that idea early on. Well, I think but it people seems were so organic and natural. I think people I, I were resisting it. it because it felt too much like past books. In a maybe, way. maybe. Well, yeah. because yeah, we lost, we lost the. I mean, it's ending the Avatar cycle. We lost the line, right? I don't know exactly right, how to right. term this, but like, yeah, someone, we lost the the you lost the history, lost the connection. Yeah. You cleared browser history, but you One still the, have yeah. internet. One of the commenters pointed out that when Korra's in the Avatar state and talks now, she only talks with Korra's voice, whereas when Aang was in the Avatar mm. state, he would talk with the voice of all the past Avatars. Right. That's right. really cool. And so okay. it's like she's, you know, the first of this new cycle, but the cycle is now in jeopardy. That was yeah, our commenter, Eric. We should give a shout out to these people. Yeah, we did. I did not we, uh, think of that. All those people. Mm-hmm. Um, when 
the action is so good that I don't even mind when things are telegraphed. Like when Cora busts out of her chains and she wraps one around her arm. I'm like, cool, can't wait to see what Cora does with that chain later. And then that's the thing that pulls Zaheer down. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's so cool. It's great. I love it. I was trying to figure out oh, if yeah. that was evoking something. If like chain, she keeps the chains around her hands. And it just reminded me of something. I, I, I was trying to Whiplash. make a reference. What was it? Whiplash? Yeah, Iron no. Man 2. Well, okay, maybe a little bit. I was actually thinking um, uh, Stephen, Chow's, in, oh. Stephen Chow did a Monkey King movie called mm-hmm. Journey uh-huh. to the West. And one of the characters in that movie uses magical gold rings that remain around her hands. So she has this kind of like chain or these this metal around her wrists that she kind of shoots out. Um, not exactly the same, but I, w- I don't know if there's some sort of like Eastern figure that might uh, There's like this. There's a style... Um, yeah, uh, it's it's like a ribbon dagger sort of style. The only re- I'm so sorry I got to bring this up, guys, but the only time I could remember of it being used in film right now is uh, Freddie Prince Jr.'s Fred uses it accidentally, I think, in Scooby Doo. Uh, wow, uh, with like a hook. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Isn't the House of Flying Daggers? Doesn't Zang uh, Z I use something similar to that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, well, hey, 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 guys, that that. That that made everybody like James Gunn because he wrote it. So you're yes. welcome for Guardians of the Galaxy. Scooby Doo says, "Yeah, Scooby Doo actually isn't terrible. So it's Matthew it's a really Willard fun movie. Great, so yeah, you know what? it's but, the I second mean, one that's unforgivable. Yeah, Monst- Monsters Unleashed yeah. is not a good movie. Yeah. So the the chain thing like that shows up just throughout martial arts films, and normally it's attached to like a weapon. So yeah. so like uh, Chewie Hark made a couple. Uh, one of his one of his like great films, I think it was. The Blade, which I saw recently in theaters, that was kind of awesome. Uh, but that was all about a one-armed, you know, uh, fighter who has a chain sword. So I, I love to. We knew Cora was going to use that chain somehow, but I love that it ended up just being like a soul caliber move, just grabbing yeah. <laughs> down. So Man, we're we're really hitting up our references today. Yes. Hey guys, you got a lot of homework in between. Books. I love references. Figure out everything we talked about. Fun. Start Particularly with start. the Gaspar Noe, I think that should be like at the top. Yes, that will change you, and then you'll be prepared. Watch it with your parents. Yeah, oh, God. We're, we're, we're being sarcastic. Tell them that Nickelodeon <laughs> podcast thing. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So air fight guys. Yeah, air, flying and air fight. Please. Flying and air fight, like echoes of Dragon Ball Z, echoes of the Ozak fight, mm-hmm. but then also some amazing work. Uh, showing with uh, just like figures in air and how you could move the camera when yes. you don't have the ground in the background. Yeah. And uh, just like ways that you could work with perspective and stuff like that. And it, I, I kept, I, w- I watched that part a few times instantly, very, very much annoying the other person I was watching it with <laughs> because it's so simple like there's just yeah. little movements in the fr- foreground and background at different times and then a spin and then when the only thing in the void of the air that can define how these characters are placed in the space is each other and it just works so well where it's like this chase and like right as they're about to like seriously go into some i don't know fisticuffs we sort of cut away back to the air group and we just see it in the background where like cora takes the top off a mountain and just sort of tosses it and you see little Zaheer sort of zip away because he's basically just running scared waiting for yes. the poison to work. He is yes. completely outmatched. And she's uh, being the Rocketeer, which I like. Yeah, pretty much. I like pretty that yeah. you go to Rocketeer and not Iron Man. <laughs> that's jo- that's Joanna. 
Well, the, she's actually <laughs> more. She's actually more uh, '30s era Superman because when they are escaping the Red Lotus yeah. hideout, um, yeah. Zahir she is leaps. flying, but she leaps. She's yes, leaping. I, I yeah. loved that. There was so, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that's classic Superman stuff, but I, I adored that move. <laughs> and then, um, Dave, I really wanted to ask, so when they're flying around, uh, is this a blend of CG and live, uh, and not live action, CG and 2D animation? I mean, this feels like the the best case scenario for this blending that we see very often. You know, early in the season, we see airships coming in, and they're clearly designed by 3D models coming into 2D backgrounds, and, and it looks a little clunky at times, mm-hmm. but this seems like... This is why we have this technique. This is where it comes into play. Well, definitely the backgrounds, I'm not exactly sure how they're manipulated. They're either <clears throat> very well done with uh, multiple planes, like uh, just used to actually paint things on glass at uh, different like, levels so they could move individually. Uh, but the characters all look to be like traditional animation. The only time it looks like there's really any sort of uh, CG or... Uh, computer-aided frame animation is like the slow-mo moments where it needs to be precise to pull off that bullet time effect so it's going to be easier to allow a computer to do that but it seems like with the flying it actually is just you know you draw a few frames and change the proportion of Zaheer's lower body that makes him pivot in midair and so you could just move that drawing to a different spot on screen and that those two things will create an entire camera sweep mm-hmm. so it's like instead of having to show trees or bushes or something in the foreground or having them you know bending like you know water in the air or something that would uh cause a lot of weird angles and you would notice uh imperfections in the camera motions putting it up in the clouds and shooting it the way they did it only you only need hand-drawn frames of both the characters with like really classic good perspective work to make that feel like you're tumbling through a void mm-hmm. so i don't I, I don't know i i listening also to the podcast and them talking about like you know x sheets and doing keyframes in between certain things. I'm not as sure as I was about the CG divide that I was earlier in the season. Uh, all the stuff I said about like parallaxing and using vehicles on some previous episode. People loved really... when you said parallaxing. Oh yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's a say huge, it it's a huge say it. parallaxing, mm. parallaxing. Yeah, and then you could attach some green jets into it and fly it into the sun. <laughs> Hey, I like that movie. You back off. I just spoiled Green Lantern for everybody. Green Lantern's a great film. Anyway, I want to spend some time frame by framing when I get, uh, you know, high high quality copies of these episodes and try to have some answers for people in the future because it's just these two episodes were so beautiful, animated. Mm -hmm. Yes, I feel like they definitely saved a lot of the budget to make uh, this bigger battle seem extra pretty, and there there were a lot of little flourishes too. I know lots of great little character moments. There was like one random frame with Bolin just like smiling or giving a thumbs up or something during the I battle. Kind of not during the battle. It was like after, after I think it was lava bend, maybe? after lava bends. Yeah. And I yeah. think it was during the lava bending battle. He's like, yeah, yeah. After, after he shows other dude that he can actually lava bend as well. Yeah. He has this great little flourish and there, this episode is, these two episodes are filled with so many of those little moments that, yeah, yeah well, I felt, those are the things I love about animation. Man. Yeah. Yeah. But- the this end battle and this kind of multi-tiered um, mm-hmm. confrontation that's happening with Mako and Mingwa and mm-hmm. Lin and Kazan and of course uh, Korra and Zahir, it, it all felt very splash pagey to me in a way that um, clearly live action is not. But even the past battles of Korra don't feel as comic booky or just like 
mm-hmm. they're not beholden to the reality in some ways, especially with Korra coming down from the chains and kind of hulking right. out and being this like she's breathing fire. I'm like, holy crap! This is it was this is off this is off the chain. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> leveling up. Like that's yes. the thing. Like Bolin leveled up. Mako, I guess, really didn't level up, unfortunately. But Bolin leveled up. Korra had some. But Mako stuff. has his electricity like, moment, which he's been. Yeah, he did level up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, now he discovers he's a lightning bender as well. Well, he was. So I don't... He was lightning yeah. bending, and people have been like, "Why isn't he doing it?" And it's because. Yeah. Like, we have to suspend our disbelief that they're not going to just be using their amazing powers all the time. I don't think right. Mako wants to kill anybody. Like really, really dangerous too. Yeah, yeah exactly. We exactly. Zuko and Iro. So this like is a last. Your, your it has heart. to be a last. When last? Moment. When did we see Mako lightning bend? I don't. Remember uh, he worked that. in a factory in book one. Just oh yes, yes. redirecting okay. lightning. I don't know if he did it at so, all in yes. book two. But uh, okay. I, 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 who taught yeah, we lightning? Lightning bolt Zolt taught him how to lightning bend. Right, right. But back in his triad days. But uh, it does it does feel like we see all of these characters like leveling up in a way, too. So it seems like the stakes were extra high for these two battles. And I, I just want to talk about Zaheer and Flying Guys. Come on. Like that is a fundamental change with the way this universe works, with the way airbending works. And we saw it coming. You knew, you knew it had to come eventually. And I feel like um, from that opening scene in the very first episode or whenever we first saw Zaheer and we see him leaping off the mountain, it kind of gave me the sense that this is a guy who's going to do something new and interesting. I really wonder what that's going to mean um, for future airbenders. Like how will other people be able to unlock this? Because it seems of all people, you know, Cora needs that more than she needs a cloud scooter. Well, I don't know if anyone. I don't know if there are air, any airbenders who would give up what Zahir gives up to. Yeah, be there's, Guru yeah. there's no way that Korra is going to lose all of her. She's never going to fly. No one's going to fly ever again. Yeah, that's my. Prediction. You have to be a sociopath to fly. Basically, you do. Yes. Right? Well, or you have to be fully enlightened or something like there. Are, so th- this is the classic struggle with Buddhism, right? Is like, are you going to be a sociopath? Or are you going to be totally selfish? To focus on yourself and uh, you know remove the world uh, to focus on your enlightenment, or will you actually keep your family ties around? So well, I just I, I, I do wonder what they're going to do. With I think that this eventually. season reckons with that. I think it says that absolutes are bad, uh, and that Zahir, as much as he might be right, he's still a guy who committed regicide in the name of what he mm-hmm. believes, in the name of this true. Uh, I mean, in the name of what the airbenders believe and what they study. So absolutes are right. bad. Even in your own religion or spiritual uh, path, you cannot follow it all the way to the end. And like Guru Lahima, I mean, you might be able to unlock flying, but the cost is not worth it. And well, I don't, also, that's why I don't think we'll see anyone do it yeah. again. We also go, it's it's sort of an anti-anarchy message. Like, yes. Yeah. Everybody, our teams that we see fight each other win because the teams love each other. It's this is why Laura I, and her dad. Yeah. It's the Bayfongs. It's the brothers. It's the tornado bit. The, the tornado, is yeah, so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it really exemplifies everything that has been leading up. All the family, like Zahir. If Zahir didn't underestimate the Avatar state, he underestimated um, love and family and the individual's the capacity. Stare, what was well, that? I mean, it's the Care Bear stare. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, all, our, all our past villains, their downfall has been the, their family. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Amon <laughs> didn't make it through that boat ride with his brother. And, we'll never uh, know for sure. We didn't see it. Sorry, that was me being Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, geez. The Tumblr from like a year and a half ago. Get with yeah. the patches. <laughs> Your Tumblr impression is dead on. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Unalak and, uh, basically screwed himself because the Avatar was his brother's 
da- uh, daughter. Like otherwise, things might have worked out a little bit better for him. <laughs> uh, you know, if he didn't double cross his brother so far back, and Cora didn't figure that out like later on. So it's nice that like it's are we see um, the person who got rid of those loving attachments get really far in this world. He threw the Earth Kingdom into chaos for probably forever or for a very long time until they figure out like what the monarchy is and he's starting to win and he's starting to win and the second he stops loving, that's when he loses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I almost feel too that he doesn't really... He has an ideal. He has a kind of a, a grand goal of like, you know, killing the Avatar or uh, killing the whole Avatar incarnation cycle. But there is no plan, right? Because for him, if he wants the world to be in chaos, then you, you can't really plan it. All you can really do is set the things in motion. Right. So I feel like ultimately, rather than uh, saying um, it was Zaheer's, uh, I don't think it was like his worry or something or his his loss over um, plea that was his downfall. It was the fact that, you know, he was such a zealot that he didn't, he only, he had tunnel vision. He could only really see one particular goal, and that is kill the Avatar, kill the Avatar. And beyond that, the guy really didn't have a plan. So, yeah, oh well. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I think... Oh, he's oh. dead. Oh. To try to he's dead. To try to volley into things we're going to have to reckon with uh, next next season, um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we find that Zaheer has some small part to play in kicking off whatever our next great threat's going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think really, they, they set not, it up I, with um, President Raiko. Don't you feel like his line about, he drops, um, thanks for taking care of those terrorists. And I was like, <laughs> After we exiled you. Oh, yeah. wow. The, the word terrorist. Worse. He's I, worse than Zahir, I think. Raiko? <laughs> His hypocrisy is maddening. Yeah. He was elected, guys. Yeah, it's tr- this mean, is true to life. Hypocrisy. In between books, but he was elected. This is true. Uh, but I, I don't know if they've used the word terrorist connected to Zahir before. And right. I thought that was very striking. That was very like, oh, how the media paints you know, like Islamic terrorism in the United States and how we consume it. It's like, oh, one-track mind, people who just want to create chaos and destruction. Um, but we know from having inside conversations between Zahir and Plea that they're in love. And, you know, they have this amazing kiss in the, in this, in these two episodes and this very emotional moment. They want something. They want freedom. They don't want to be in prison anymore. And they feel imprisoned by society itself. Um, they have a reason for doing what they do. Zaheer is wrong in the end um, because he kills to do it, and that is just morally compromised. But uh, these are real people. And when we flash back to Republic City and Korra has come back from war in a true uh, Born on the Fourth of July moment, this is like her nom, I guess. And she's back in this wheelchair looking like Tom Cruise, minus the Vietnam, beard. for those of you who weren't born when that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Wait, I wasn't bored during Vietnam. Um, I'm just on. saying, I'm just saying, and you know, throwing around numb and then. But like, does 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 Youngins. President Raiko's line about terrorism and this kind of strange uh, re reevaluation of Zahir or this kind of media filtration, how the president might spit out what's taken place? Does that set up anything, or is this just is this kind of like a, a final cap? Zahir- here is your is your Brody from Homeland? <laughs> like, I mean, that you feel like he's too humanized to be called a terrorist, and to call someone like that a terrorist is to I feel, not take the full measure of who they are and what they believe in. Not, not to get too political, but like, 
the way terrorist is a loaded word in this case. It's dehumanizing. It's making someone a true villain. It's making someone a comic book villain when really we can't do that. We can't do that with Zaheer. We have to acknowledge the fact that he is shaded. He's dimensionalized. And if the people don't know that, then they consider him a terrorist and they consider him a villain. Um, And if Korra is conflicted about this, then she's going to have problems. Well, I mean, they're basically going to Guantanamo him again because he's the only he's the only way into the Red Lotus. We uh, have no idea what this threat is, and the only sort of con- I think that's the only reason I think you could bring him back. Okay, like if I lived in this world, not if I'm a writer, not if I'm watching the TV show. If I lived in this world, you have Cora take his bending away, and you chain him up, and you like enhance interrogate him until you figure out where all the Red Lotus people are. <laughs> enhance interrogate, yeah. And you know we have water, 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 bend boarding, water, 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 water bend boarding. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> that that is sick. But I do think that, like, knowing that they they dropped that line that Zahir is in prison, so I mm-hmm. almost guarantee that she goes to visit him in prison for like consultation, Hannibal Lecter style. Well, right, something. and then all the sure. stuff we yeah. talked about with Su Yin talking about how the Earth Queen was like horrible makes me think that she's going to make a play to unify the Earth Kingdom, and then we have the Air Nation running around solving everybody's problems. We have Zuko and his daughter, who I really would like to see. Yeah, because it's inevitable, well, <laughs> inevitable. And Toph, I wandering Toph. I'd like to. I'd like to figure out. Well, that's definitely that feels stuff, like it'll yeah. definitely happen with the Airbenders out and about, right? They're kind of on the same mission that Toph is. Well, I mean, or to. Bring her house back into order after Su Yin. Look, I don't think Su Yin's necessarily <laughs> going to be a good, a good, a good person all the time. There's just too much. There's oh, too much. Sounds shady like you about might her. be on my uh, on my side for this one. I, I mean, I up until the very end, I still thought that like <laughs> Su Yin was going to do that flip, and I, I don't think that you know if we've seen with the Red Lotus. That you could have members that suddenly decide now's the time for the Red Lotus to shine. Well, that's why I thought they were really playing up uh, Kuvira. That's like someone in our our comments mentioned. It's like, hi, I'm Kuvira, the villain for next season. (laughs) That was really funny. But your your theory about it being Zelda Williams and her just like getting a chance to be on the show is probably more accurate. But it's such a they make such a big deal about it. Like Sue is Sue name checks her and there's like a swell of music and a close up on Kuvira. And you're like, what am I missing here? Right. This is the weirdest <laughs> moment ever. Well in and Korea apparently history. she was according to the Cora Wiki, you know, like when I looked her up to see if this was something I should know, apparently she was name dropped in that episode where we Iway, meet where all the dancers. Him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was well, investigating the the tunnel. I think at some point the metal clan oh, has right. so much more to do because we got so many threads planted there. And Varric, and then then we left him. Yeah, well, Varric's there. Her husband, who's working on like a monorail or something. Monorail, yeah. Her husband, who we saw like once walking through a dinner he wasn't invited to. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm just gonna go work on my monorail. Cool. Yeah, you have like um, uh, Suyin's odd history, and now you have. Lin, who's like, if I wasn't a cop, what would I be? Maybe the Beifongs, they have a long history in Ba Sing Se. They could make a play for the monarchy really easily. And then yeah. it becomes, you know, what when the world has changed and we're establishing what this new world order is, what's the place of the Avatar? And Dave unveils, he thinks it's going to be book four Avatar. Because <laughs> you got to end it, right? Right, right. We got to have our act three. And it's going to involve everybody. It's going to be so much fun, guys. 
and I hope it overlaps with Game of Thrones in the spring. Uh, <laughs> because those two things happening at the same time. Basically would... try to kill Joanna and I, but <laughs> it's just like so fun to live in both those worlds at the same time. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. They, they do kind of have a lot to wrap up, right? Yeah. And so Avatar would be a good subtitle for that. But I do wonder, like, guys, like, what did you think of Korra? Like, where they left Korra? Because it felt, it felt kind of strange to me because I know she's dealing with the poison, but it almost seems like she is dealing with a massive loss. And they're... There seems to be um, like she's suffering from depression as well. Like I'm trying yeah. to figure out what is what is it that's going on there. Well, right. And Buffy, yeah, that Buffy. final. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Buffy. But like, yeah, Buffy, Buffy, when Buffy, yeah. when Buffy came back, then they pulled her back from heaven. Yeah. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do that. But like, I think what. Um, what what the creator said on that nurse writers panel mm-hmm. when they described Cora, they described her as like a an extreme sports enthusiast, basically like one of those extreme snowboarders or something like that. So if you take that away, like the, her main defining thing, because she's always been struggled with the spirituality, but her physicality is such an important part of her. So to be stuck in that wheelchair is so hugely. But do you think she's crippled? Do you think she's permanently? Well, disabled? I don't think they don't know. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where they don't know, where they're hoping that she'll get better, but they don't know. I would it's be... the time that we should have had in between book one and book two. They're actually letting that breathe this time. Right. Well, that's mm-hmm. so where interesting it's like, oh, and then that. everybody gets their bending back. It's so that's interesting true. that you say that because both book one and book three have like tier, a single tier moment mm-hmm. that ripples through fandom. You know, oh my God, can you remember book one spending an hour talking about if Cora's trying She's to She's going to jump off that cliff. I know. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i having flash. My nom flashbacks are happening right now thinking about <laughs> talking about that. Um, but this tear to me spoke volumes. I actually thought the ending of this was maybe more bittersweet that like, yes, she's dealing with depression. She's in this wheelchair. She's lost everything that she cares about or like that defines her perhaps. Um, but seeing Janora become an airbender and this like uh, incredible, beautiful coronation ceremony, I, I, th- I thought that tear had a bit of joy. Like she's been talking about sacrificing herself um, to save the larger people. Uh, she talks to Zuko last episode and she doesn't want, she can't just save the air nation. That's not her job, but she has by giving herself over to Zaheer or, or going through with her original plan to save the world. Um, and I, I really, maybe I'm clinging and I'm projecting onto this tier and I want it to be a, a, a brief whiff of happiness to see the uh, the airbender lineage continue with Janora. Uh, but I don't know. See, for me, it read more, it read more like a, like obviously the tier read as happiness, but Korra's state, I think we're going to deal with more like a PTSD storyline. Yeah. Like in my mind, it opens... Like a month later, and Cora's just been talking with Iroh in the spirit world, and they're like, "Why is she just sitting in a corner all day?" This is we're, we're really disturbed about this. But like, yeah, I mean, she basically gave up at to the point where she was trying to stay out of the Avatar state to keep the Avatar alive, and then she couldn't, and all she could do was fight back. But like, they have that really extreme anime esque shot of her uh, pupils. Like yeah. uh, becoming points and her sweating, which is, is basically her moment where it's her lowest moment. Her dad's dead. She's not going to be able to save the air nation. She's, you know, being poisoned. She's not, she can't even save the avatar state. So she just gives in to it and sort of tumbles out of it. That's got to be terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That is giving up everything you love as much as it just forced upon you. I wish, I, I saw we had a little 
more time to, I don't know, for this epilogue to really get a sense of what was going on. Because it feels like, you know, we see, you know, we see Janor's uh, ceremony, we see the tear, and then the episode just ends. And yeah. it felt kind of abrupt to me. Like, it, I, I was definitely left wanting more, but I was also really confused because I didn't know what I was ending with really like what state Cora was actually in so well, I think, I, yeah next season's definitely going to be ptsd yeah something going on there but i almost wonder if she's just going to after all this work like just say i i can't do this anymore you know i, I think I, she'll, it was I mean, right the world does not yeah. need an avatar right right yeah is this is this going to be classic superman spider-man like i can't do it i'm walking away from this position and then kind of finding that maybe it doesn't matter mm-hmm. about your physical self and coming back. I, I would be really interested in her actually being crippled and, or ha- being wheelchair bound for the rest right, of her right. life. Um, part of it is, and this might, might sound very strange, but having interacted with a lot of comic book and animation and just like geekery f- fans out there, you know, going to Comic-Con and seeing the people who get really excited for these properties and for and, and invest in these sort of things. I mean, there's a large um, disabled community out there who love this, who love geek. And that's mm-hmm. a way, you know, uh, Comic-Con, the Comic-Con floor is filled with people in, in wheelchairs or in braces or just like getting around, and, but they feel so free there. Um, and they feel like the collected mind and being around people like them just makes them so happy and i I Mm -hmm. would be really excited by the prospect of having a disabled heroine in this series it's just something i've never seen before and it would be so empowering here's why it's hard to do that in this series because then you have a wheelchair bound hero that represents heart and then and you have captain planet oh i'm telling you that is really weird to me I mean, I'm not saying I can have a disabled female heroine. That's fine. But it makes weird thematic sense in my mind. And if she could go in the Avatar state, she's just going to rise up out of that wheelchair. Avatar state is beyond anybody else's right. thing. But then that, that almost makes it worse, right? If the only way for her to actually it, to regain everything she had before is for this Avatar state, which also puts the entire you know, the whole reincarnation cycle at risk, too. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. And then also, disabled character-wise, Minghua was by far the greatest armless person I've ever seen on television. That That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. They even let her drive. (laughs) Um, uh, Any any additional thoughts about this uh, kind of coda to the season finale? I, don't I, I love the tenderness that Asami showed Korra. Like, I, I feel like their relationship has just reached a really interesting it's beautiful. level right now. Yeah, yeah. It made me tear up a little, and that the whole the whole ending. But I am, I'm going to be thinking about like what is going on with Korra for the next year. It's that's just kind of where this whole thing left me. Mm. I, I I I will back you on that Asami Korra relationship yeah. i mean it's the yeah, the shippers yeah. are all over it but like uh i don't i don't need it to take a romantic turn if it did holy cow that would be incredible <laughs> it would be incredible yeah, just progressively but, I just it, but it doesn't need to do that was the one that, that is the root of shipping yeah. culture by the way it started with this whole same-sex pairing so because fans wanted to see really interesting slash, pairings like that and you'd never slash, see it yeah kirk you never buck. see that you'd never see that in an actual show so right. I know. but their friendship is so meaningful like i just mm-hmm. it brings me she a lot of joy she beautiful and i was like oh, oh, oh i love you too <laughs> just hug each other for months 
Yeah. So, I mean, Asami, Asami has obviously great style, but that little cap that she put on Cora was not working. For no, me, so. no. Hideous. <laughs> Hideous. What were they thinking? A real photo. She looks like a, a grinder monkey. Yeah, I don't think Cora. I don't think Cora loved it. I was not it. into it. I was trying yeah. to find out if that was some sort of traditional Chinese hat. I couldn't find any. If there's anyone who knows about that hat, tell me more. We I love the idea of Patches always like Google searching accessories on Cora, being like, <laughs> "What is the meaning behind this piercing and this cap?" It's great. Hey, I like I like Avatar fashion. Sue me. <laughs> um, we should we should start a you should start a column. This this week in Avatar fashion. Yes, I, I might be a little late on that one, unfortunately. <laughs> um, well, I'm my my I'm just so happy that Janora got her way, got her tattoos, and shaved her head and became her own. That's what I'm really like. Did she become I, her own or did she become Aang? Like, she looks so Aang, does she not? She's super Aang. Who yeah. wouldn't look Aang with their head shaved? <laughs> yeah, Tenzin. <laughs> Tenzin does not that's, look like Aang. That's true. That's one of the. Uh, the weird things about animation that's the one time animation has failed us is i don't know if i'm supposed to think that she looks like ing or if that's just what bald kids look like i think that's in just the way you draw people like. yeah i think she'll end I, up I, regrowing I, her hair because that happened to ang in in last airbender as well later in the series yeah. but uh well but we learned so much about why they shave their heads this season so maybe not that's true. That's true. Well, well, you gotta I'll feel like coming from behind. I, I do just think she became her own person, though. I don't think she became Aang or she stepped into Aang's shoes. This is very much her journey. She wanted the tattoos. She wanted to be heard. And uh, well, she grew up Tenzin in the eyes of her father to too. Yeah. Yeah. And then just, oh, it's just so nice. It's such a nice moment. And they were blowing chimes. They, they yeah. used their airbending to blow chimes. It was it was very peaceful. It was a good the way to go out. The, the rebirth of the Air Nation was something that I was not really expecting to like as no. much as I did, mm-hmm. considering yeah. Kai was in the center of it. The um the hipster, <laughs> the hipster Airbender that we met earlier in the season, yeah, right. He he's was there, there wasn't yeah, he, yeah. in that final ceremony? Yeah, he's oh, like the he last in the line. Yeah, and that really cracked me up because Tenzin was like, "We're gonna reclaim our our nomad, you know, way of life," and hipster Airbender was like, "Uh, uh, uh gotta go more worse. places and do more things." <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, should we wrap up things on on this finale, or I guess our finale as well? Maybe I have no idea what we're planning on doing between book three. I think we should do a, a special four. bonus episode where we decide which element is ours. We fight. There's also comics we haven't been talking about. We'll have to play that oh, video okay. game at some point. The video game looks good. <laughs> oh man, coming this fall. So we we have a lot of potential stuff we'll we could be doing. So just keep checking back. Uh, were there little the things listeners. in these uh, last two episodes that struck your ooh, fancy? That's ooh. how we usually go out here. Joanna, do you want to do the the the, the tug of war, or do I get to take the tug of war? This oh, week? you you get the tug of war. I have another one. The uh, tug of war between Mako's scarf uh, between Naga and Pabu in uh, Enter the Void. Uh, just a great moment that didn't need to be there, but uh, I needed to see Naga and Pabu play tug of war at some point. So I'm glad that happened uh, here. Yeah, it was a great like. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Yeah, Do you think that is uh, you know on the on the Nerdist podcast that you guys were referencing? They talk about how I believe Michael was a director on Family Guy mm-hmm. for a little while. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that is and his King Family Guy. Uh, roots showing the cutaway to oh, the cutaway completely meaningless scene, but so full of joy. Didn't he also yeah. say that Naga was one of the first things that he? Yes. Oh, yeah. A bi- bipedal Naga. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, mine is a tie between the height difference between Zahir and Plea. So um, Very Tom Cruise. So great. 
And the uh, and the look on Lefty's face when everyone loads onto that baby sky bison. <laughs> <laughs> because I was thinking, and I was like, they're going to put all those people on that baby bison, and they like registered it. I was like, okay, all right. Oh, Lefty. Uh, for Lefty, I, I think for me, it's just that little that little flourish moment with Bolin, like Bolin kind of getting his own uh, and owning his new lava bending capabilities. That's going to be my new Twitter avatar at some point. Yeah, that's going to be your new Twitter. I, I love that. <laughs> that's what makes it worth it. Um, I also have a Bolin yeah. moment. I like when he puts a sock in Zaheer's mouth. Oh, that was so Sokka. I loved it. I know. It was classic Bolin. Um, And he also pushes Sue out of the way when she's going to reunite with her daughter, who's been held at knife point, by the way. Uh, And he pushes Sue, this older woman, out of her way (laughs) onto the ground and is like, oh, oh, Bolin. Like, Bolin, not the classiest move there. I don't think. Uh, Whatever. But, when she turns out being evil, we'll look back on that. And be like, you got, you get that, Bolin. I, I sh- oh, I should also mention. I didn't find a way to uh, drop this, but um, our our commenter Bobbity Hobbity mentioned that Zahir quotes Shakespeare's Saint Crispin's Day speech. Yeah, yeah. We few, we happy. That's few. weird. Yeah. Which is we pretty... banned a terrorist. So <laughs> we're reading material. Oh uh, man, read Henry wonder... Henry the Fifth. Yeah, man. I wonder if that has watch, any sort of connection. Anyway, go no. watch Brana do it. In the yes, movie. Oh or my read. God. I'm av- I'm an advocate of reading. I'm just saying. Read. Well, people are about to go back to school. They're going to get a lot of reading soon. Uh, so Shakespeare on your own time is a blessing, <laughs> whereas reading Shakespeare in English class is a curse. Yeah, I found or just go all in experience. and find somewhere where they're doing the War of the Roses and just spend like 48 hours of your life <laughs> seeing all of it. Oh, uh, I can't believe book three is over. Um, but we had a great season. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Book four predictions. Dave thinks it's Avatar. Davindra, mm-hmm. what's your book four subtitle prediction? Gut, gut feeling here. I, I haven't been thinking, I, I don't know, Unity, something like that. I think Avatar is a good one, though. Teamwork. Yeah. Fun. Book four, fun. Eh. Book four. Eh. Smiles. And. Joanna. Come um, on, give me one. Book four. Korra plus Asami forever. Wow. Scribbled book on your four. notebook. Love. Yeah. <laughs> if book four actually has four forever. Yeah. In the, in the title. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be perfect. Book four, uh, Blueberry Spicehead. Where is Blueberry Spicehead? <laughs> so, that's a comic. Give me that comic. I want this to hear a background comic, by the way. We should totally do that. We should oh, do yeah. that. And they mention all this, all this mentioning yeah. of like freeing plea from warlords do and it. stuff. We got to get might, that at some point. Maybe they happening. can't do it because that circus theory is still correct. <laughs> oh, and by circus. warlord, she meant ringleader of the circus. Oh. <laughs> that's uh, okay. That's what is that? That's oct- octopusy, right? <laughs> octopusy, the evil circus, James Bond, right? Is right, that true? Anyway. Maybe yeah. that's a Mingwa reference. Oh, man. <laughs> well, it's also a lot of other references that we can't talk about on this show. Let's wrap this up. Oh, my God. Uh, yes, we'll be spending book th- our post-book three months creating like a board, a-, a conspiracy board with red yarn and pictures. And <laughs> it-, it will be very beautiful mind. But um, thank you all for listening. Why don't we tell people where they can find us on the internet? Davindra? Oh, sure. You can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Javindra. I write about techadventurebeat.com and I podcast about movies and TV at slash film.com. Joanna. 
Uh, you can find me almost every day on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. I do a couple other podcasts, including for at least one more week. Um, I am doing Fighting in the War Room with Patches. And you can find me talking about television in general on the Station Agents podcast. Dave. Uh, my name is Dave Gonzalez. I spell my first name D-A-7-E, which is also my Twitter handle. I write about superhero movie news and Star Wars Latino-Review.com. And I'm Matt Patches. I write all over the internet and try and put it on my Tumblr, which is mattpatches.com. And I write Cora uh, recaps as uh, Devendra was grilling me. Uh, I, I'm convinced, Devendra, you're right. You're right. I was wrong about Plea and Zaheer. <laughs> um, but overlook that fact and read that recap at screencrush.com. <laughs> and I also do Fighting in the War Room with Joanna and Dave, some mixture of that uh, every week. Uh, and that that's about it. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our Book 3 coverage this year. And we'll talk to you soon. Farewell. <laughs>